Hi everyone! Today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by New York casting director Laura Schitzel. In Laura's nearly 20 years at Tara Rubin Casting, she's worked alongside the theater makers whose names are atop the marquees that matter. She's participated in thousands of auditions and knows what makes an audition great and what makes an actor memorable. With an evident and deep love for the arts and supporting young artists, Laura shares numerous great stories today. But as a kid who grew up in the magical world of theater, this quote really hit home. When you audition for a play, you are not just auditioning for that one project. You are auditioning for every project the entire team ever does. I'll give you a second to let that set in. She also shares her process for working with actors one-on-one, -on -one, helping demystify the process, shifting the approach to auditioning as an opportunity to do your best work in the allotted time and establish yourself as an actor and creator. Now let's get to the conversation. Thanks for being here on the podcast and joining us today. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me and, and uh, nice to talk to another Laura. I know. I found your work through one of my frequent deep dives on the internet and we got to chat on the phone and I'm very excited to share your insight into the New York casting world as well as coaching and working with actors. But for anyone who isn't familiar with your work or hasn't had the joy of being in a room with you before, could you share a little bit about what drew you to the industry and your love of casting and working with actors and, and how your career has evolved? Well, I, I've worked in casting since 2003 and um, I'm very lucky that I spent my entire casting career at Tara Rubin Casting here in New York City. And um, I got into casting um, because I thought I wanted to direct plays. So I went to college and that was really just an act, not that it wasn't an accident that I went to college, that was intentional. But what was an accident was directing is that I, because I, I just happened to take all the classes. It was a BA program. So you take all the classes and it was one of those things where you have a professor who says, oh, wow, you seem to like that and you seem to be good at that. So I thought, well, obviously I need to be doing that. And I also liked it because it, it, um, it combined everything like, you know, what a great way to explore everything there is to know about theater and plays um, because you have to know all of it to direct. And then I was also uh, guided towards stage management because believe it or not, I seemed organized. And then it was also a way to be part of all, the entire rehearsal process and sit next to a director. So after college, that's how I got jobs was stage managing and assistant directing or being a, and, and being a directing intern, which is a sort of an undefined job in the American theater. Um, but that's, that's what I did. And, um, and then I went to graduate school for directing and a mentor at the time uh, said, yeah, absolutely go to grad school, but just don't get into debt because you're not going to make the money back. So I, I only applied to one school that gave me a full ride and I went there. And then this is a very long story. And then towards the end of my time there, I thought, okay, I think I want to niche down even further if mm. niche could please be a verb and uh, thought, what part of directing do I like the best? And mm -hmm. it was working with actors the most. So that was about as sophisticated as my thought process was. And uh, so I looked to move back to New York where um, from the New York area and 
wrote to every casting office in New York City from a guide. I don't know what it's called uh, or if it still exists, but it was like every casting director in New York City. So I wrote a form letter and sent my resume to every casting director in New York City. And in my return address, I wrote my name and my address. And then in all caps, I wrote, I'm not an actor. Um, in the hopes that that, hey, maybe that, maybe somebody will open that and know that I'm not trying to get a job as an actor, but I actually want to work, work with them and learn from them. Yeah. I'm loving the strategies. And it's and a long story, but then, you know, another, I, I also thought, oh, what's the casting society of America? Maybe they have an internship program. Maybe I can learn about casting directors that way. Yeah. And I thought, oh, here's their address. I'll just walk my resume over to the casting society of America. And I got there and I was a PO box. So um, these are all things that I've forgotten about until you asked me that, Laura. So thanks for that memory. Yeah, that was pre that was pre Google Maps on your phone, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. No, there were no. Did I even have a cell phone? I'm not sure. Probably. I think I had the kind of cell phone you could get at Radio Shack, and you only used in case of emergency. Ah, oh, Radio Shack, the nostalgia. Thank you for taking us down memory lane, Laura. I appreciate it. Sure. <laughs> I remember trip. being in New York at that time. Like I did some, I did some summer dance programs. I was, I was there, I was kicking around. It was a very different time. I walked the wrong direction many times. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the cross street? Always mm -hmm. ask what's mm -hmm. the cross street. Yeah. So I'm Is sorry it... for interrupting, please. So you got to the PO box of the Casting Society of America. Yeah, it was a P.O. box. So no one was there to welcome me to the Casting Society of America, which is what I had expected. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so I, I interned, I worked as an intern during the week and in the weekends I worked various jobs uh, to support that internship habit. I, I coined myself the world's oldest intern because I had already finished grad school and thought I was pretty mature and older. Um, and then um, then I got, then I worked as an assistant and then moved up. Was there an instant connection with whoever you interviewed with at Tara's office or? Yeah, they're my best friends now. Oh, that's, I, I, I always love those stories. One thing that I don't want to forget to, to touch on that you shared in our phone call the other week was how the audition process in the theater world, how long reaching it is. Yeah, I think it's, it's um, just the idea, I, I, I like to sh share this idea because I think it, well, I'll just share it, which is just, it's, it's not a new idea, but it's, it's just that for, if you're auditioning for something, you're, and whoever's in that audition room, that's, you're creating a memory for everybody for the rest of your professional life, which makes the stakes sound really high and you know they are that's not to increase the nerves but if you're auditioning for a project you're auditioning for the project that you're going in for of course but also you're auditioning for every project they cast forever as an actor i the business side of my brain fully understands it the creative and just the very you know it's just this audition and then you kind of rinse it off and walk away to be able for your own mental sanity to like, let it go. It's very daunting. And I'm curious how you came to that realization. If you saw actors being pulled back in for projects later because of a, a strong audition in the past, how you learned that point of view and then how you work with your actors on accepting that mindset. Uh, well, I will say that, um, 
anything good that I ever say about casting comes from having learned from Tara Rubin, who um, is a legend and a mentor and leads with integrity and grace and exceptional taste at all times. Um, so how I came to that realization, I think just from also from years of setting up auditions, like if I'm going to be setting up auditions for um, say much ado about nothing, I'm going to go back and say, wait a second, who was that who auditioned for Romeo and Juliet back in 2014? They did an amazing Friar Lawrence. So, so that, that's a bizarrely specific yet vague example, but then I'll go back to that binder or to that folder either yeah. an actual folder or a folder in the computer and sit and look through those audition notes so I'm not saying that it's like a huge it's all in my brain it will be on the notes too yeah I will get ideas for um, actors to audition for a part based on things that I've seen them do in the past and then I'll also look at all, all, all my playbills and all the seasons at such and such theater to see who played those parts because they were amazing in it and I want to try them for this. Um, but yeah, so every so I would expand and it's not just every audition you go on is an audition for every project that office does ever, but also like everything I go to see, boom, you're on that list now. Yeah. The list we go back to. Yeah. If, if you don't mind sharing, because you very eloquently spoke on how much you enjoyed your time at Tara Rubin's office and how instrumental that was to shaping you as a casting director. What, what inspired or what was the catalyst to evolve into coaching and working with actors now and helping them in a very different way from your experience as a casting director, but also in a, a similar way in supporting them and supporting them pursuing their dreams? If my goal is to level the playing field yes. and make all this information sort of part of what helps, hopefully helps people do their best work. It's like, if you understand what the process is, maybe you can sort of release things that it's not about and then focus on the play, focus on the words, focus on the action, yeah. um, focus on making something in 3D. Um, so so I, I think of working with actors as sort of reverse casting. So like if I'm casting something, go with, go with me on this for a second, <laughs> reverse casting. Um, you know, there's a great book called Backwards and Forwards, which is a book about directing. It's about how you should read a play backwards to see what event triggers what event. Anyway, so reverse casting is um, what I've done for a long time. I've been lucky enough to work with amazing directors and amazing playwrights where they have created this play. And then they tell me what kind of actor uh, what the actor has to know how to do to live in that world. Okay. So then I would try and bring them actors that can do that and exceed that mm -hmm. uh, ideally. So reverse casting would be, okay, so here are some actors who want to take this class. Um, they want to crack open new material. What can I give them that will be something new to explore maybe a play they've never been exposed to they haven't they didn't get to go see it at the roundabout in 2003 like I did so here here's a play you might not have seen or heard of and oh my gosh 
try it, try this scene. And then what else might it lead you to do? And then did you know that you could play a character that does this? So it's reverse casting in that it's like, instead of starting with the play and the project and the creators and finding actors to inhabit that world, it's like, here's an actor and what worlds can they inhabit? And, and also it's just about like appreciation of the art form. It's so corny, but like, these are people who live in 3D and move in space and speak these words. It's not on Zoom. Yeah. I, I miss being in person so much. It, it's, Zoom is not the same. It's just, it will never be the same. Can you walk us through when you start working with a new actor, how you get to know them, be it looking at their past work? If you don't know the actor, if you've not auditioned them before, um, how you like to get to know them via past work, their casting profiles, things like that, conversations to then help them progress through their career towards the goals that they have. I think just to, I'll just say that I'm not as epic in my goals with an actor. I really like to just take a piece and make it audition ready. So I'm, I'm less interested in like, what is your internal sort of acting technique mm -hmm. um, and more about like, okay, how do we make this, these 10 minutes that you have an amazing audition? So the, what, so how do I get to know an actor? Um, you know, the old fashioned way <laughs> and the way I do as a casting person. So I look at their resume. I look at places they've worked and the sorts of plays they've done. I know everybody can't, people can't when you're, you know, pick and choose what they're going to do. But I do look at, you know, what play did you do? Where did you do it? Who directed you? Uh, where did you train? What kind of, so I, I can sort of look at the school and have a, I can make an educated guess as to uh, sort of the techniques that you were exposed to. Yeah. And, and also I love, 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 love hearing just what kind of plays somebody's drawn to. Mm -hmm. you know, just like, tell me what you love, like what, what, what do you love? If, and if it's, you know, somebody, I was talking to a, a young actor who finished school in 2022, which was like, you know, two minutes ago. And I said, what kind of place do you like? He's like, I love weird stuff. And I love, I love weird stuff. It's like, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about what theater, okay, just moved to New York. Let's talk about what theaters you might want to go usher at so you can go see their plays. Uh, I mean, like he was more specific than just weird stuff, but like that was super exciting. And then I could just like roll over to my bookshelf and say, oh, have you read this? Have you read this? Have you read this? Or let's look up, look up these theater companies, look up these actors and see what plays they've done and let's crack open what kind of material you can look at. Um, so that's super exciting. Like what, what kind of, I mean, I think I was also excited because I love weird plays too, um, you know, or, or like messed up domestic dramas. Like, yes, let's chat about it. Let's talk about yes. Curse of the Starving Class. Let's do it. <laughs> Those ones that'll just crack you open and just really make crack it you open. Yeah. When I was reading over your website and also as we were chatting, I like that you're not a, a feel-good coach. You are much more honest and transparent with the actor. And 
maybe it's making assumptions, but perhaps it's people that you worked with going along your journey through school and grad school and things like that, because you you did mention that you had a, a mentor say, don't go into debt. And I think when you have mm -hmm. those kind of people, it really does shape, because I know very much my perspective on the business is shaped the way that their outlook, it, it shaped mine. So I'm curious, when you are working with your young actors and trying to help them set realistic expectations of the audition process, how do you communicate that with them while still being encouraging? Because honestly, our industry is hurting a lot right now and it has for quite some time through COVID and even before, but how do you, how do you encourage them while also being realistic and, and, and speaking really honestly with them? That's interesting. So how do I encourage people while being honest about? Yeah, because there's a lot of feel-good teachers that are like, you'll absolutely reach it. Series regular lead in this play. It, it, it's, it's all within your reach. Not everybody's going to make it. Not everyone's going to be a professional athlete. Like it's just there's two, I think, of a fork in the road of, of teachers and, and coaches and mentors of those that are like, yeah, it's great. It's totally doable. And this is hard, but you can make it. And there, I, I lean towards the, the one that you're in. I'm curious how you work with young artists that are coming out of school with all of this training, but not the real world experience yet. Two examples I can think of that may be more anecdotal than anything. One is like when, a, when young or people who are just about to finish school or just finished school say, hey, I'm, I'm finishing school here and wherever they are. Um, in this case, it was the Midwest. And uh, based on my resume, where do you think I should move? And I, I was taken aback by that question. And, and I just said, uh, you should go where you have family and community and financial, um, more financial freedom. So just, I mean, that's that's not saying like, I'm not going to, you know, saying like, well, just so you know, you're not going to book a huge movie the second you move there. It's, it's instead saying like, think about your whole life. Huh. I don't want to presume to be any sort of like, I don't even like the word coach. It's like, it reminds me of being a, you know, in a sport when I was a younger person. Um, but just, you know, think about your whole life. But I mean, so you see every trajectory it can take and you just want people to be healthy. You know, you want people to be well, you want, and, and I don't believe I, I'm going to be, I'm going to say, you know what, I'll just say, I don't like to blow smoke up people's asses. Like, it's not like if you, I, I, maybe I'm, you know, too negative, but I don't believe in like positive thinking leads to a job offer. Like positive thinking might lead to like feeling great. All you can control is the work you do in the room. That's all you can control. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's why I love to work on auditions and not like, this will help you be a better actor. Like, you know, it's like this, this is what I've watched in auditions for 20 years. And um, I invite you to try this with me. Yeah. Because that's something that you can, that you can control. And then in the meantime, like, isn't it fun to listen to other industry, like podcasts like yours, and also like even something as huge and mainstream as, and like, the, the three hosts are white men, but like smartless. And they talk, when they talk to actors, they talk about like their trajectory and it's fascinating. Yeah. And then you read like Viola Davis's 
about finding me, like read about her trajectory, like read about, just read. You know, I get great creative joy out of putting weird shit on Instagram. I really enjoy your reels, your reels and TikTok stuff. That's so nice of you. I'm like, I'm an introvert, but I have to tell you, Laura, it's like, why the hell not? You know, it's like, who's going to, who's going to judge me? Like, I don't like bring it on. Like, this is fun. I appreciate because there was one that you kind of were like, you like spun around in your chair. I can't remember exactly what was happening, but it was so nice because it was since the strikes had started, the majority of my content was everyone just really passionately speaking, but also very angry. And then it was just, and then you popped up and I'm like, huh, it was just like a little ray of sunshine on my phone. Let's go back to your time in the room as a casting director. You mentioned somewhere along the way, I can't remember where I heard you say it, but um, you were talking about actors and how they become memorable. And I'm curious, what makes an actor memorable to you? What makes an actor memorable to me is, this is going to sound so boring, but it's coming in, doing a great audition that that shows respect for the material, work that has been done on the material, an understanding of the, the work and the context from which it emerged and, and then leaving the room. That's all. Oh my God, that's so boring. But it's like, no. there's no sort of uh, need there other than like, oh, yay, I get to. And this was really fun to work on. Yeah. And I know it's a big ask and I know that a lot goes into it and that is all appreciated a lot but uh you know doing rather than showing what is a common misconception that you find that actors have about the world of casting specifically in theater it's so funny because I haven't really spoken to many actors until I've started working in this way so I don't I never really knew um but and now that also like you know I'm a social media mogul now I've been on Instagram for seven months (laughs) You really are an influencer. It's a swipe up situation uh, to learn more. Oh my God. Um, So, but what I'm reading is like, but then I have to stop myself, like reading like people saying like, don't you hate going to an audition when you know the role is already pre-cast? And I'm like, oh, wait a second. What does pre-cast mean? Like, uh, like there's something called a pre-screen where I'll hold an audition where the actor's auditioning for casting only or for me only so that I can see more about their work and find out if it's a right fit to bring them in for the director and the team. But pre a, a role that's pre-cast, I mean, I think what that means is we already cast somebody, but we're holding an audition, which sounds like a waste of money and time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. anyway, so that's one thing. And I they think also like that we hate being in auditions and that's not true that we don't, I mean, I don't know. What are what are some preconceptions? You tell me, I don't know. I, I try not to listen to it. I just try and- Personally, I try to, <laughs> I love creatives. I don't have many friends that are actors because there is a lot of, there's a lot of chatter. And I think there's a lot of insecurity feeds on insecurity. And I think that's a really dangerous space. And that was one reason that I wanted to start the podcast originally was because I feared 
with everybody kind of being isolated at home in 2020 and very much just feeding off of everybody else's nerves about the industry. And I, I had many friends that were in New York that, you know, their shows were dark for, for so long or ultimately closed and they didn't know that their final performance was their final performance. It was just, there was so much, but um, I think there's a lot of misconception of how actors have no concept until they have a bond with a casting director that they've, they've auditioned for several times or they've booked with, or they really get to connect with on a human level, not a job title level, but just as a person, they don't realize how much casting is rooting for them. And that's one that I will always go to the mat about because anytime an actor says casting's not on their side, I'm like, no, 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 let's pause. They in fact are, they're trying to help you find a job. And that's, that's probably the biggest one that I hear is that misconception. What is um, an area of actors' careers, since you've been working more closely with actors, what's an area that you see them stress over or really pour money into perhaps that you know from the casting side, it doesn't make that much of a difference if there is something that you can speak to there? Something that people are pouring money into that maybe- Money or time that they're just being like hyper-focused on and it, in the long run, of things it doesn't actually matter. Interesting, interesting. You know, it's funny because you'll ask, you know, 20 people that and you'll get 20 different answers. I mean, because I, I, some people say like, you don't need a website if you're an actor, no one's going to look, casting people aren't going to look at it. And I tell people like, oh, I absolutely look at your website. So it's like, what to do if you're an actor and you're hearing all these different things, just always look at the source and, and all the, so many people call themselves acting coaches and have or or like an audition coach and and I'm not saying this to boost myself at all I'm really just saying like oh my gosh watch out who you give your money to because have they ever been in an audition room yes. have they ever been sitting have they ever sat next to directors who talk about anything <laughs> yes or oh you know when they say like oh, well this is what the casting director likes in in a self-tape it's like how do you know that I think there's a lot of gimmicky, funny things that I, again, I try to not look at because it makes me sad for people giving their money. But, um, so what do people spend so much time on? I don't know anything that takes them away from work from like the work. It's so fun to look for more work. And I don't mean work like jobs, just, I mean, like who's an actor that you love, look them up and look at all the plays they did. Like just, you know, carry a, carry a play around. There's a lot of plays that you can stream um, either online or on like Broadway, Broadway HD, um, reading memoirs by amazing actors, reading plays, reading theater criticism. Um, and this sounds like a really hot Saturday to me. Like that's all amazing. Oh yeah. Like an internet deep dive of like, Ooh, I love the plays that they've done at Soho Rep. I'm going to go to the website and look at their production history. And what are the plays? Who were in those plays? What are the plays? Let me get my hands on those and read them. Mm. And so maybe even come up with your, like, come up with your own new material. And uh, I've heard a couple actors say like, I'm supposed to have a reel on my website, but I've never gotten a TV credit. What do I do? Like, Ooh, Ooh, go make your own, like yeah. record yourself doing a theater scene and put that on your website. Why not? Like, there's no rule about that. No. And 
And then also, okay, so here are all my dreams, ready? Like get a play off your shelf. And if it has eight people in it, find seven actor friends, cast thyself and do a Zoom read through of it. How fun is that? I'm sure that's like so old news. That's so 2021, but just, and then all the other thing that's really fun is I think uh, getting to know something inside and out getting to know something inside and out. Like I never liked Shakespeare until I stage managed an outdoor Shakespeare festival and I heard the same play over and over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden I loved Julius Caesar. All of a sudden I love, like, so just practice doing it. It makes me miss my time in theater so much. <laughs> It's just like the like the texture of it in which that you you talk about the work. It's just so different. So, Lara, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It has really been a joy to chat with you and and just get to hear how you articulate about the work. It's it's just really a joy to listen to. So thank you. Laura, thanks for having me. It's so nice to meet you. And I I commend all that you're doing. Hi everyone. Thanks for listening and being the absolute best part of our creative community. Thank you to my fabulous guests today. If you'd like to learn more about them, please check them out in the show notes and please join us on Instagram and TikTok at what's my frame. I'm Laura Linda Bradley. Thanks for listening.